Welcome to the Granary Church podcast. We're happy you could join us. For more information on the Granary Church, head to granary.org.au or follow our socials at the Granary Church. Well, hello everyone. It's good to be here today. I'm just about to preach on a fun passage. Topics are murder, adultery, divorce, oaths, revenge, and love for your enemies. Just giving you a heads up. Um, don't run out. The end is good. You ever watched a movie where you're really tense in the middle of it, but you hang in there because the end is good? Yeah, the end is good. <laughs> and uh, this is uh, from the Sermon on the Mount. So the Sermon on the Mount is uh, t- uh, the uh, the longest recording recorded teaching of Jesus. We find it in Matthew chapter 5, 6 and 7, and we are moving our way through it. And it's, this is profound teaching. And so today I'd just like to pray before we get into this that our hearts are ready to receive something amazing. And uh, you do actually have to be ready. God never um, forces himself on people. He leads and he draws and he inspires and he does everything so that you would experience abundant life. And that's actually, may not sound like, it's like, yep, this is actually the purpose of this passage, that you and I would experience what it means to be fully human, fully alive. So let's pray. Father, thank you so much for gathering us here together today. Thank you for your love for every person, uh, incredible love that pursues us. Incredible love that gave you gave your life for us. Incredible love that is always faithful towards us, even when we're not faithful. Trustworthy, powerful, strong, full of grace, full of truth. Thank you for your love for us. And I pray, Father, for each one of us today that we would experience that in greater abundance and that what it means to be truly alive will fill us today. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. So let me read to you from Matthew and chapter 5. It's quite long, so, so here we go. You've heard that it was said to people long ago, you shall not murder, and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. And again, anyone who says to a brother or sister, Raka, is answerable to the court, and anyone who says, you fool, will be in danger of the fire of hell. Therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar... And there remember that your brother or sister has something against you. Leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to them, then come and offer your gift. Settle matters quickly with your adversary who is taking you to court. Do it while you are still together on the way. Or your adversary may hand you over to the judge and the judge may hand you over to the officer and you may be thrown into prison. Truly I tell you, you will not get out until you've paid the last penny. You've heard that it was said you shall not commit adultery. But I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to stumble, gouge it out and throw it away. It's better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to stumble, cut it off and throw it away. It's better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to go into hell. It's been said anyone who divorces his wife must give her a certificate of divorce, but I tell you that anyone who divorces his wife except for sexual immorality makes her the victim of adultery, and everyone who marries a divorced woman commits adultery. Again, you've heard that it was said to the people long ago, do not break your oath, but fulfill to the Lord the vows you have made. But I tell you, do not swear an oath at all, either by heaven, for it's God's throne, or by the earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it's the city of the great king. And do not swear by your head, for you cannot make even one hair black or white. All you need to say is simply yes or no. Anything beyond this comes from the evil one. You've heard that it was said eye for eye and tooth for tooth, but I tell you, do not resist an evil person. 
If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the other cheek also. And if anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, hand over your coat as well. And if anyone forces you to go one mile, go with them two miles. Give to the one who asks you and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. You've heard that it was said, love your neighbours and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. He causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that? Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. This is a great passage. And when you read this, you can think, oh my goodness, I knew the church was full of judgment, but it's not. And this is actually not judgment. And so we need to unpack this. What I've just read, if you, like if you didn't squirm at all when I read that, you weren't listening. And I will read it again. Because <laughs> you may think, oh, yes, that person over there. But this is actually the human condition. This is the entire human condition in a nutshell. And you and I fit right into that. We are both the perpetrators of it and the victims of it all at once. Some of you have been hurt by some of these things and some of you have caused some of these things. But actually, all of us have been hurt by some of these things and all of us have caused some of these things. Because the human condition, yeah, you can think, yes, I've seen that. I see it in my neighbours. I see it there. It's actually in all of us. And, and until we come to the point of actually realising this is the problem of humanity, Jesus came to die for this. Jesus came to set us free from this. The problem with religion is that it keeps making more rules to try and stop this and it doesn't work. And then you have things like we're seeing in, um, in northwestern India at the moment with huge riots on the streets between Hindus and Muslims because they're offended in the way that they're trying to keep their religion. It doesn't mean that they're any different to you and I because we do exactly the same here, just in different ways. Different, we have different cultural ways of dealing with some of these things. And so last week, um, Theo spoke on um, the passage just before this, where Jesus says, Do not think that I've come to abolish the law of the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. And Jesus himself is the fulfillment of the law and the prophets. Jesus' life, death, and resurrection, and everything that was prophesied about him has been fulfilled in Jesus. And if you didn't hear that message, it's on our podcast, so go and listen to it because it's a fabulous message and um, it helps put everything in context. So as we go through the Sermon on the Mount, if you miss one, you can listen to it on podcast. Thank you to Ian Barson who's up the back there who does this every week for us and um, so that you can keep this going. And if you're in a Connect group, we're studying this in Connect groups as well. And if you're not in one, I'd encourage you to get in one so that you can wrestle with some of these, these ideas together. But what Jesus says in Matthew 22 is this, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it, love your neighbour as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. So what Jesus is doing here is he's bringing out all these laws, which we're also abundantly aware of. And he's moving beyond outward appearance to appearance management to the state of the heart. Because you know what? You can actually follow these laws and have a miserable heart hiding on the inside. You can come to church and look like your marriage is amazing because you know how to pretend, but it's not. You can pretend that you're being lovely about people and you're talking about people for prayer purposes, 
but you're not. Um, everyone can be good at appearance management. Something we learn, so when you're a child you might throw tantrums and you learn that you don't throw tantrums. But that doesn't mean that internally you don't throw tantrums. You just learn good appearance management so that everyone thinks you don't throw a tantrum. And what Jesus is, is getting at here is that we can have all these rules, but unless there's a change from the heart, the world will not flourish. And history is proving that. History is showing that regardless of how sophisticated and educated we are, the, the problem with the human heart doesn't change unless it has something radical happening from within. So this is where Jesus is taking us to. And when he said to his disciples before he, um, he died, he said, a new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, you must love one another. Let's hang on to that because we're going to come back to that as, as, we get to, as we sum this up. As I have loved you, you must love one another. By this everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. You know, the Apostle Peter, who was one of Jesus' um, disciples, who denied him and messed things up, but eventually was filled with the Spirit and he started, and the very first day the church was birthed, he, he preached this amazing message and 3,000 people gave their lives to Christ that day. And then he went on performing miracles and people would say, who is this guy? Like, he's not even a highly educated guy. But, they said, we can tell he's been with Jesus. They could tell he's been with Jesus. And, and this is what Jesus is, is actually asking us to be like as well. People who would say about you, like, who is this person who's so amazing? They must have been with Jesus because they have this incredible love for people that other people don't have. That's actually what he's calling us to be. Now, the problem with the um, human condition that we're talking about is that we have desires in our hearts. And sometimes we think, and, and throughout history, people have sort of taught you've got to get rid of the desires of your heart. But you actually don't have to get rid of the desires of your heart. God actually placed those desires of, of your heart there. You have a desire to be loved, a desire to be valued, a desire to be secure. You have desires to be fed and clothed and safe. You have desires to accomplish something, to make a difference in this world. To um, You have a desire to use your own gifts and talents and your creative ability to do something for other people. And you get great pleasure out of that. When you do something that you are really good at and you know how to do it, you get great pleasure out of it because that's part of being created in the image of God. When he created the earth, he looked at it and he said it was good. And everyone of us relates to that. When you create or do something that you are good at, and you look at it and think, and it's it's good. I I'm really happy with that. You know, it's a it's a beautiful thing to notice in other people. We had when we were renovating our house, we had a plasterer come to do the walls, and uh, I was really excited about that because you know you have this frame and you come home and there's there's walls and um, and I come from a family of builders and I see what they all do. Anyway, I came home one day and the plasterer. I realised he's just been in my house by himself every day listening to his radio and I came in and it felt like it's like a house now. This is at home. This is exciting. And I said to him, you're amazing. And he goes, oh. And I said, I wouldn't be able to do this if you paid me. That's why I'm paying you. <laughs> I wouldn't be able to do it. And and he said the next, and he was just so chuffed that the next day when I came home he said, I just want to show you how I did this corner over here. And I said, it's great. And he actually had great pleasure in what he was doing. That's part of being like created in the image of God. God is actually interested in the desires of your heart. It says in Psalm 20 verse 4, May he grant you your heart's desire and fulfil all your plans. 
It says in Psalm 37 verse 4, delight yourself in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart. So not only is he not interested, he's interested in them, he wants to give them to you. But he's interested in something more than that. In 1 John 3 we read this, See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. Dear friends, now we are children of God and what we will be has not yet been made known, but we know that when Christ appears we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. So what he's interested in is who you're becoming. He's interested in the desires of your heart, but most of all he's interested in who you are becoming. Uh, you know, It's like that. If you have children or nieces or nephews and you see them grow up, you're interested in um, giving them amazing things and seeing them flourish, but you're most interested in who they are becoming. I went shopping the other day with my little grandson Silas and we happened to walk past the Lego store and I happened to say let's have a look and uh, I think oh maybe we could just get something and the lady came up and said so is it a special occasion? I said no we're just shopping and I'm really soft and she said (laughs) yes I hear that all the time. So I'm interested in doing that sort of thing for him. In fact, I discovered as a grandparent, you get great joy in this because you've disciplined your children the whole life and now you're watching them discipline and you think, oh, at last I can be naughty. I'm going to do the wrong thing now. So, um, But I'm most interested in who he's becoming. And that's what God is interested in you. And he is calling you his child. He's given you, if you want, the opportunity to be adopted into his family, and you can call him father. And as when the word, when the Bible talks about children of God, it means people who actually reflect him, so that people say they resemble their father. That's what you're becoming. That's what you are invited to become if you want to become like that. And so here's this is what Jesus wants. He's come that you might be fulfilled. It says in John ten ten, I've come that you may have life and have it abundantly. And so sometimes we read passages like the Sermon on Mount and we think it's more laws. So we went through the Beatitudes and we discovered that's not more laws. And now we're looking at this and we think, oh, it's more laws that I have to follow. But it's not. So what is it? So he's interested in who you are becoming. And you're actually, all of us, you, no one's sort of sitting on pause. Everyone is becoming something. Every one of us is right now becoming something or someone. We're all becoming that. And we often don't see it happen. It happens, who you become happens slowly and over time. And sometimes people think just because you're old, you're kind, but it's not always the case. Just as you get older doesn't mean you get kinder. It just means you get older. You're actually becoming something. And so in Matthew 5.22, Jesus says this, anyone who says you fool will be in danger of the fire of hell. Now sometimes people read that and say, read it as God is sending you to hell. But it doesn't say God's sending you to hell. It doesn't say you'll be sent to hell. We sort of translate this in our heads and think, oh, someone said you fool. And if we think that, then you're negating the whole gospel. Because Jesus died on the cross to pay the penalty for your sin and then if you say you're a fool and then he says go to hell, then what was the purpose of the cross? So sometimes we really mess up what Jesus is, has actually done for us. So what is he saying here? He's saying you'll be in danger. And the word for hell there is the word Gehenna and Gehenna was actually and still is a place in, in Israel and it was a valley that had been there for many, many years and it used to, if you read in the book of Jeremiah, Jeremiah 19.4, it's called, it says they have filled this place with the blood of 
innocence. It was a, a because you have forsaken me. It was a place where in previous days child sacrifices happened, people were murdered. By Jesus' time, it was a garbage dump. It was an ugly, horrible place. And Gehenna was actually used to represent hell. And what he's saying is, this is the sort of this is where you're heading to. This this sort of person. In fact, what he's saying is, you can be a person who's bringing hell to earth rather than heaven to earth. And the, the theme of our church, the vision of our church is bringing heaven to earth. And Jesus is saying, you could be bringing hell to earth. And I think all of us at some point have brought hell to earth. You know, when you're in a position where you're feeling tormented by something, does anyone have experienced that? That's you wake up in the night and you're tormented? That's not from heaven. Torment is from hell. Broken relationships, heartache, sorrow, pain, they actually come from hell. And we can actually in our self-focusedness become like that and we heap it on other people. And, and truly when you're absorbed with yourself, which we all are, Jesus has come to teach us to die to ourselves. when we're absorbed with ourselves, we don't even know that we're doing it. You rationalise it and you think it's right to do it. And so we can be people who are bringing hell to earth. John Mark Comer says this, The life to come is a continuation of the trajectory of this life Your future is a continuation of the decisions that you make. So you can either choose to die to yourself and be filled with the Spirit of God and live for Him, or choose to live for yourself and try to get all these commands and work it out yourself, or pretend that God doesn't exist and it doesn't matter what you do, and when you die, nothing happens, which is what a lot of people choose to do. And all of those those decisions we make, it's not good or bad people I'm talking about, it's just talking about people and how we wrestle with the human condition. And Jesus has come to give us the answer to the human condition. And so your life is on a trajectory and you do get to make choices. C.S. Lewis says this, It's not a question of God sending us to hell. In each of us there is something growing up which will of itself be hell unless it is nipped in the bud. You must picture hell as a state where everyone is perpetually concerned about his own dignity and advancement, where everyone has a grievance and where everyone lives the deadly serious passions of envy, self-importance and resentment. That's a picture of hell. Sometimes we just picture it as fire. But truly, because we are relational beings, hell is where relations are all relationships are all horrible. And each one of us knows that. Each one of us would know that there's situations in life that just feel like hell. And so when you go through these things that Jesus has been talking about, this is what you see. Murder to begin with. And uh, we all kind of put, you're not, sin is just sin. Sin is basically this, that you're not reflecting the glory of God. You're all created, all of us are created to re, to be like God in our character and our nature. Sin is when you, you miss it, miss the mark, basically, of being like that. So it doesn't matter whether, whatever it is, um, it's something that we all fall short of. And we actually have to, before we get into this, we have to understand that we do all fall short. And there is not levels. And in our minds, there are levels. And one of the reasons is that our system of law sort of creates levels. But I think another reason is that, um, so you take murder, for example, and we think that is one of the, the big ones. And um, just sort of speaking negatively about someone or calling them an idiot, well, that's not really not as bad, is it? And so, but Jesus says that they're all the same because um, they're all about discarding people. All of them are about getting rid of people. So you might get rid of them physically or you might destroy their character. And both of those are not like Jesus. If you're sitting in a room of people and everyone's rubbishing someone, do you think Jesus is sitting there going, amen, I agree with you all, he's rubbish? He wouldn't be. 
So they're, it's basically all the same. You can destroy their body or it can destroy their character and their reputation and it's all about discarding people to push you up and to push someone else down. It's always like that. And that doesn't mean that you won't have issues that you've got to work through and solve. Of course you do. We all have them. It's the story of our lives but it's how we do them in a way that doesn't destroy people. That's really important. So it's important for us to understand. I, I think it's like this. The reason that we choose murder as worse is I, th- I think it's, we go by group mentality. So I don't know if anyone here has murdered someone but if you have, God forgives you as much as the person who called someone a fool. But the thing is if someone is here who's murdered someone, they will probably be in the minority I would imagine. But if there's someone here who's called someone something negative, like this is such an idiot, it's probably fairly common. So therefore what we say is murder's really bad because I wouldn't do it, but surely calling someone an idiot, like we all do it. So that's our, that's our rational way of getting around that. Like if we all do it, then it doesn't matter. It's a really strange way of thinking, isn't it? If everyone does it, it doesn't matter. Uh, it still matters. <laughs> It's just so everyone does it. And so that's how we work out our gradations of sin. So we have to understand that we're all the same. So I have to, in my role, sometimes deal with people who have messed up in some way, particularly if they have a role of responsibility in our church. Sometimes I have to talk to them about it. And uh, I like to say to them this, you know, this is awkward for me because I'm sitting dealing with your sin I just want you to know before the conversation goes any further that I have it as well. And uh, mine is just as bad as yours. It's just that you got caught out or not always caught out. Someone comes and says, I did this. Someone will come and say to me, I looked at porn. They didn't even have to tell me. And I had a, a young guy say that to me once and he said, you must think I have no integrity. And we said, on the contrary, You have amazing integrity. You actually called us and said, could I talk to you? And we didn't even have to know about it. And I see the incredible humility of heart there. And so I want us to be a church where we all engage with that humility of heart, that to know that even though in our human world we have systems where we plan what's where we decide, we grade what's worse than other things, let's be real with each other. We all have it. And, um, you know, I am not tempted to go under porn, but I'm tempted to do other things. And some of you will be tempted to go under porn, but it doesn't make you any different to me. Okay? Just taking that one as an example because it comes up here. We're all the same. And until we get to that understanding that we're all the same, we all require the same grace of God, we won't get what Jesus is saying here. We won't be free from it. Let's have a look at what he's saying. Firstly, murder. Right down to calling someone a fool. It's all about discarding people, pushing myself up and pushing someone else down. They are a nuisance. I do want to get them out of my life, whether I do it by hurting their body or hurting their reputation, I will get them out of my life. And the truth is we've all done that and it happens every day on our media. It happens in conversations. It happens all the time. It is a common part of the human condition. It happens in wars and it happens in families. And we all know that it happens. And we would like to say, well, at least I. But don't say that. Don't say, at least I. Because as soon as you say, at least I, you've pushed yourself up and you've pushed them down. And it's a problem because these people are irritating and they hurt and you just want to change them. 
truly, if they would just change the way you wanted them to, the world would be great. And then it's the dehumanising of people. When Jesus is speaking particularly about um, lust and divorce and adultery, particularly in that time he's talking about the objectification of women because at that time women were owned. They didn't choose who they married. They needed to be married. It was for their economic stability to be married. They weren't educated. They were owned and they were also discarded of very, very quickly. And so a man might look around and think, I like her better. This one's getting a bit old and I'll divorce her. And you only had to say three times you're divorced or get a certificate and that's it. She doesn't have a say. And then she is discarded. So she was basically being used. And that still happens. And, you know, when it comes to talking about this one, I find this difficult because I know that there's some people here who have been through the pain of divorce and some of you really didn't want it. Um, In fact, I'd say all of you didn't really want it. And I want to say to you, I was talking to a friend of mine who's been through this, and I said, did you ever feel shame in the church? And she said, yeah, you just feel like you've got this big neon sign on the top of your head. And I just want to say, if that's you, I'm really sorry, because that's not the church of Jesus. You should come here and you should feel you are loved and you're valued. And I want to pray that that shame goes away from you today. Because we all come here as brothers and sisters in the Lord and each one of us has suffered pain and things that haven't worked out and God wants to redeem all of us. And um, we must never be a place where people feel like they don't belong because we actually, all of us belong because we're all, we're all broken. And Jesus is actually in this trying to protect people. And we heard on the radio that with um, the Ukrainian refugees, hundreds of women and children have actually been stolen for um, sex slavery because people can't process the, the, the names quickly enough. And I believe as the Church of Jesus Christ, we need to be people who stand against that because we could think, well, the objectification of women was mainly back in those days when they were owned, but it's not. It still happens and there's vulnerable women and children all around the world and we have to be people who are aware of what's going on in the world, but not with hate, but with hearts full of the Spirit of God do something to change what happens in our world. And, uh, and God will give us ways of doing that to protect people. Jesus was the first person who came and actually protected these women who had no one to speak for them. He's asking us to do the same. And then it goes on to oaths with image making because the oaths, there was no legal system for contracts and things. So people would declare an oath on heaven or something majestic, but it was always image making and they didn't actually fulfill their oath. And Jesus is saying, just let your yes be yes and your no be no. You don't have to make some great big image about yourself. And then there's revenge, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. And you might think, oh, well, you know, that's not me. So I'm, I'm, I'm free of that one. But Jesus says, if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the other cheek also. And if anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, hand over your coat as well. And your coat was your outer robe, which was always used as your blanket as well. So you're actually giving away a lot to someone who is your enemy. And then he goes on to say this, you heard that it said, love your neighbour and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your father in heaven. He causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. So he gives this picture of who God is and he actually loves everyone. I had a student once who, um, in Christian studies, after the, the 
planes flew into the Twin Towers and um, he wasn't a Christian and he was wrestling with things and he said, so there was probably Christians in that building, you know. I said, I'm sure there were. Well, what are you going to say now? I said, about what? And he said, well, why didn't God rescue the Christians? I said, because God loves all people. He gave his life for all of them. And, you know, I said to him, I've got four kids and um, if one of them's not doing what I want them to do, I don't go out and actually punish them. I protect all of them just as much because I love all of them to bits. I would give myself for them. And so sometimes we get the wrong idea that if you're a follower of Jesus, somehow you're superior. You're not. And sometimes the world gets that impression of us and it's a tragedy I've got a friend who's, who's not a Christian. We have some great chats and um, she doesn't like the church but she likes me so we have some good chats. And she said, it's just that sometimes Christians are so full of themselves. And I said, yeah, I guess, I guess that could be true. And she said, well, like, at, at my kids' school they went to um, religious education and, and, all the, and all those kids came out with a sticker that says, I am special and a lollipop. And I I realised that because she thinks that we all think we're so superior, that when they came out with the special on, it was like, and I am superior. And I said, well, I know that we are like this, but I can just say that's not what the sticker meant. I'm just telling you, the sticker meant I'm uniquely created and it's teaching children to value themselves. She said, oh, okay, I didn't get that one. So that's what we look like and that's self-righteousness and we do not want to be like that and so Jesus has come to set us free from this and he's so he's presenting all these rules and these laws and we think oh my goodness and then when we when we get so obsessed with them we tend to start pointing them out in other people and I I noticed you did this and you did this and then we can't have that person because they did this and that's not what he's asking for he's actually come to set us free and saying you've got all these rules that you just he's trying to show you actually can't do it You can't do it. So you think murder is bad. Well, I'm telling you, just saying you're an idiot is just as bad. So that makes us do more and more appearance management until Jesus is saying something like this. I've come to give you a new heart. I've come to give you a heart and a mind that see differently and think differently. And you cannot do this by yourself. It's like that point where you have to get to the point where you realise, I can't do this by myself. One of my nieces, when she was really little, saw people like they were – at the lake somewhere and she said, I can swim. And her parents said, you, no, you can't swim. And she said, yes, I can. And so she jumped in and couldn't swim. And she said, I thought I could. And uh, then she realised she couldn't and she needed help. And sometimes this is what we have to be like. We have to realise, I thought I could do this and I can't. It's the most freeing thing, firstly, to realise that you can't and more freeing when you realise there's someone who can. And so Jesus has come to set us free from this. And in Galatians 5, in the Message Translation, it says this, it's absolutely clear that God has called you to a free life. Just make sure you don't use this freedom as an excuse to do whatever you want to do and destroy your freedom. Because in your freedom, you get to follow the Holy Spirit and it leads to abundance. And you can do whatever you like and so you can destroy it. Rather use your freedom to serve one another in love. That's how freedom grows. For everything we know about God's word is summed up in a single sentence. Love others as you love yourself. That's an act of true freedom. If you bite and ravage each other, watch out. In no time at all you'll be annihilating each other. And where will your precious freedom be then? 
So here they all are, sitting on the Sermon on the Mount, listening to the Sermon on the Mount, and Jesus has gone through all of this, and they're thinking, oh, my goodness, this is really hard, and how am I going to do this? It's going to have to be more appearance management so everyone thinks I'm really nice now. And, um, and here's Jesus, and he says, no, but he's got an answer for us. And it's in Matthew 5.48, and he says this, Therefore, be perfect, as your heavenly Father is perfect. And at that point you think, oh, I knew this was hard. I knew this was hard. You know, like I tried really hard all my life to be good. I was one of those girls who just sat up in school and did everything that you were told to do and I still can't get there. And now you're saying be perfect. And I thought I was, but my siblings made sure I knew that I wasn't. And um, so I'm not perfect. But what does this actually mean? Because it, it doesn't mean perfect the way we're translating it in our heads right now. The word perfect there actually means complete. So let's go right back to the cry of the human heart. The human condition. Now, the cry of the human heart is to have your desires fulfilled. And God has made you like that and he wants to fulfill them. But all these things that we've just read about, this is what we do to fulfill them. This is what we do to feel loved and valued. This is what we do to feel like we belong. This is what we do to feel like we have some sort of significance in the world. We all do these things to meet our needs. And Jesus is saying, but instead of trying to spend your life filling yourself with all these things, you can be complete. And then rather than living to fulfill yourself, you will be fulfilled and then you live from the overflow into others. And I'll give you a new heart and a new mind. And you'll start to think like I think and you'll start to speak like I speak. And instead of looking at people and seeing what's wrong with them, you'll see the gold hiding in them. That's what parents do with kids. They see the gold hiding in their kids. When you see gold, if you're foster king for gold, you see the gold first and you just, the dirt you brush off. And that's what we're called to do with one another. To look around the room and see unique, amazing creations children of God and to see the gold and we draw the gold out because that's how God sees you that's what he's doing that's why he gave his life so that you could become like him he sees that potential in you and he's bringing it out and so therefore when you are complete when the Holy Spirit fills you he gives you love he gives you hope he gives you security he gives you significance he gives you a purpose and when you are complete then you live from the overflow of love for others and you stop demanding that everyone else meet your needs and you now have the ability to go and with the Holy Spirit in you meet the needs of others, whether they know God or not. You are just called like Jesus to serve with love and you do it with great joy because you've experienced the love of God in your life. Now, I was praying recently in the middle of the night, you know how you wake up in the night and you start thinking about something and I started talking to God about this. Anyway, I had ended up with a little conversation with God. I knew it was a God conversation because it was. I actually just wanted to get back to sleep but I felt God speaking and I felt God say this, imagine if I tore the heavens open and poured my love into every heart on the earth, what would the world be like? So I lay there imagining and I'm imagining the global situations that would be different, my personal situations that would be different. All the situations, just imagine that. Just imagine the love of God is poured into the heart of every person you know. You think of your family tensions, your work tensions and the love of God, the agape, the pure love of God is poured in the heart. How amazing would that be? And I said to God, that would be amazing. And then I thought God say, well, I did that. I sent my son and I just had this picture as I'm lying there of Jesus on the cross. He tore the heavens open. Jesus came and gave his life for us on the cross. 
And he said, and, my, and by my Holy Spirit, I fill every heart with the love of God if they want it. But people don't always want it because they don't want to love like I love. And you picture Jesus on the cross. And the truth is, if we're honest with ourselves, we don't want to love like that because that hurts. And true love hurts, but it brings amazing rewards. And that's why Jesus invites us into this. Romans 5.5 says, And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. And he takes the human condition and he fills us with his spirit. And you no longer have to strive. You simply have to surrender every day. Yeah, I remember the first time I was baptised in the Holy Spirit, I remember this overflowing joy. And uh, But did that just stay like that for the rest of my life? I have to keep coming back to him over and over and over again because there are so many things that happen in life that make me focus on myself and how I'm going to fill up my own needs and how to solve this problem and that problem and how to restore this and how to restore that and how to make everyone in my life happy. And it gets exhausting and I have to keep coming back and say, that's right, I gave my life away. It's no longer mine. I keep taking it back. I keep trying to be king again and or queen again. And, uh, and he says, no, just keep giving it away. I love you. I gave my life for you and I will stay faithful to that promise to you if you will give your life to me. Isn't it amazing that Jesus in this, in these few verses, gives this entire picture of the human condition and finishes off with this one sentence, be, com- be complete in me and everything will change. And you and I, if we choose to be followers of Jesus, we seek for that every day. And it will spend, you'll spend the rest of your life. The Apostle Paul, who was an amazing man who planted churches all over the, the known world then, says, not that I've attained it. If you think you've attained it, key is the key that, to tell you that you haven't. If you think you've attained it, you haven't. You will never fully attain it till you see Jesus face to face. But the thing is, it's not hard when you realise it's actually about just knowing him more. It's about knowing his love more. It's about experiencing him more, experiencing the joy of knowing Jesus. That's what it actually is. And when you experience that, everything changes. Everything And so we gather together on Sundays to encourage each other in that. We go into the week and we look at people through the eyes of the love of God and and we see the potential in them and we see the human condition and it breaks our heart and we draw people in because we know that in Jesus we have the answer to the human condition and only he can do the work. So let's stand and let's pray together. I'm going to call the worship team back up. and But I just invite you just to take a moment, if you want to close your eyes, close your eyes. Because you have a Heavenly Father who loves you so much that you are not here today by mistake. Whether you know him or not, he draws each one of us. And all you did was say yes and came. And he's speaking to each heart today. And I know as we gather together today, we're all, it's all a living level playing field. Some of us are victims of the pain that has been fl- inflicted on us by the human condition. And some of us are perpetrators and have inflicted the pain on others. In fact, all of us are victims and all of us are perpetrators. And we stand as one group of people together, acknowledging that before the Heavenly Father who loves us, who sent his Son to give his life for us. And if you're here today and you've never realised that you can know him, that you can give your life away to him and he will fill you with life, I invite you to do that today. We recognise our own human frailty 
and sin and shame and we bring it to him, he washes it all away. And I know that there's some here today who live under condemnation and shame for just sometimes just for who you are and sometimes for what's happened to you and sometimes for what you've done to others. And I'm here today to tell you that through faith in Jesus, it's all washed away. It says in Romans 8, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Thank you for listening to our Sunday You've podcast. If you enjoyed it, either subscribe you or follow on the podcast app that you some use here today to keep up to date on when our next Sunday podcast gets released. Have a safe and blessed week. To you. Have a Savior who loves you and is very present with you. And so, Father, we say, come Holy Spirit. If you want to, you just put your hands out in front of you. If you want to, it's only a gesture to say, come Holy Spirit, fill me afresh. Just surrender everything to him. Lay it all down. If you need to get rid of something, tell him about it. If you have an earnest longing in your heart for something, tell him about it. If you have a desire to see things different in your life, tell him about it and say, come Holy Spirit, make me complete, a complete, fulfilled human being. Come Holy Spirit.